as we said, this morning is one of our mission's emphasis days, and um, I appreciate you all taking the time to pray for those that have gone out from Melanie Park. That's why we put the list in the bulletin in case you didn't have one of those lists. I would encourage you to take that and uh, maybe put it on your refrigerator or in your office or somewhere, and um, uh, as you see that list, take the time to pray for those that have gone out from Melanie Park. One of the questions that, um, uh, as we encourage pe people to consider uh, full-time ministry through the missions program um, and maybe going to other cultures uh, to live and to work and to minister, from time to time we'll have somebody say, well, what does it take to become a missionary that goes out from Melanie Park? And what we've done, if you'll look in your bulletin, one of the three handouts in there, one of the three sheets, loose leaf sheets in there, is one that says a missionary preparation track. And um, we wanted to provide that to you today, and I want to uh, review it quickly with, with you um, to help answer that, that question. Uh, we chose many, many years ago, decades ago, to uh, whenever Doc Henry was our teaching pastor here and we began the missions movement as it is now, uh, the decision was made not to support 50 or 60 people with 25 bucks a month and have a bunch of pictures on the wall going down the halls, but instead to raise up people through the church uh, who might have a heart for ministry, uh, especially cross-cultural ministry. And, um, and our, our, our desire was that they would be a part of the church family and come out of this church, be raised up through the church, prepare to go from this church and then, then, then go out. When, the, when we actually began it, uh, the first people that we, that we sent out, our desire was to support them 100% where they would never have to raise any support. As the years went by, uh, God laid on the hearts of more and more people to go and so we weren't able to support them 100% through the general fund and so we uh, had a percentage that we, we gave them as a base percentage of support and then allowed them to raise support within the church and outside the church and helped out with that. And, and, and by doing that, we were able to, at, at, we've had as many as 12 missionary units on different fields at, at one time. Um, but but instead, instead of it just being a support of 25 bucks a month or 50 a month, uh, our church supports these folks significantly and uh, we consider them a part of, of, of our church. And they've either gone out from being involved in ministry here in this church, or they've come out of a church that's been planted by one of the missionaries that came from our church. So that, that bright green list that you have there that Matt referred to, those are the 11 missionary units that are supported direct, directly by Melanie Park at, at, at this time. I wanted to give you this sheet also because we have questions from time to time. What does it take to be a, a Melanie Park missionary? Because you've heard us say that the preparation process takes anywhere from maybe a year to two years, most of the time a year and a half or two, two years or, 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 or more. So well, what could possibly take so, so long? Uh, we have had people go out from Melanie Park, young people that grew up in our church that uh, were involved in the missions program by going on short-term short trips and they actually went into full-time ministry at least for two or three years or maybe four or five years and then came back to the States and, and uh, they were not considered Milling Park mi missionaries, but they were supported by people in the church and we helped them with their projects. 
He said, well, we've always had questions. Said, what was the difference? Well, the di difference was they decided to join a particular ministry and uh, maybe while they were away at college perhaps and they came home and they decided to go and when they came home and told us they were going, we're leaving in three months. We'd say, great, you know, we'd like to help you out with any projects you have going on, but we would not consider you for support as a Melanie Park missionary per se because this is what we do. That's why we provided this sheet. We've had some people ask and I said, okay, today would be a good day. I'm just going to go through this quickly with you and, and so as uh, you may know, know of folks that have an, an, an interest, you may have an interest yourself, and I want you to see this is, this is kind of what we call our preparation track. There's an initial interview if you're married. Of course, it would be you, you and your spouse to meet with the missions committee, share with us what's on your heart, and then to discuss any expo exposure you might have in, 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 in the past. At that point, the, the, the committee then becomes proactive with you, um, depending on the, the information that's given. We begin to pray with the applicant, seeking God's direction and purpose for them. And then we begin to address the su subject of visible ministry among the, the Melanie Park family. When somebody goes out as a missionary from Melanie Park, they are well known by the majority of pe people in the church, not just because we have them up on the stage, but because they're involved in ministry in, in, in the church. And if possible, we have them involved in the ministry that they're also going to be involved in when they go out from, from, from the church. Uh, we help guide them to local resources, num num number five, such as enrolling in the nearby perspective course, uh, ten ten attending mi missions conferences, maybe the visiting missions agency training centers that are related to their field of interest. We meet with them on a, on a systematic basis. Uh, we do re research into the mission agency that they're considering or help them find one that's appropriate to their calling. Uh, at some point, depending on the individual situation, we inform the church that a prayerful process is going on with somebody and we present the applicant in a, an appropriate manner so that we all understand the necessity of taking time to seek the Lord. Once they're actively in our candidate process and a mission agency's process, we continue encouraging them, meeting with them, and we help them get involved in cross-cultural exposures. Num num number 10, when they're accepted by a mission agency, we present them for approval by the elders, and then they're presented to the church, and we start talking about their support raising. So this ho hopefully just gives you an idea for you who, who have asked about what how does one become a, quote, Melanie Park mi missionary. Th this is the process. Pro this is the process, and this pro process does usually take a year and a half or two years. Bonnie and I went through this process when we prepared to go to Me Mexico uh, to represent the church down, down there. We began in uh, September of 1996, and we uh, made it to the field in September of 1998. It, it took all that two years for our pre preparations and that is usually what, what it takes. Some, sometimes it takes longer depending on the mission agency that you go under. Um, but anyway, we, we wanted, the missions committee wanted you to have that, that information. We don't have much time left this morning, uh, but that, that's okay. What, what we wanted to do was to, um, one, of the, one of the missions committee mem members asked the question, uh, we were ta ta talking about people being called into cross-cultural ministry or being called into full-time ministry. And so one of the missions committee mem members posed the question, well, what does it mean to be called? May maybe that's what we should, 
share with the church on a day like today. You know, we didn't have one of our missionaries come in to speak today. And so we brought in the fifth string. And, and so uh, one, one said, what, what should we you know, talk about today? So, well, maybe it would be a good thing to answer the question, what does it mean to be called? And so what I'd like to do is take uh, the few, few minutes that, that, that we have left and, and just talk, talk about that from the perspective here at, at, at Melanie Park. And as we think about being called, there are, are two different aspects of, of being called that we want to take a few minutes to talk about this morning. One is being called by, by God himself, uh, someone who is not a child of God being called into that relationship and then the the other thing is what does it mean to be called into ser service so so first of all let's look at the the call to the kingdom and then we'll look at the call into his service um, Jesus told a lot of stories uh, that we read about in the four gospels and one day he was speaking to a large group and he told this story uh, he told a story about a king. We're going to look, going to look at that from the script, scripture this morning. I'm going to start off and just kind of tell, tell you a little bit about the story. If you want to be turning to Matthew chapter 22, uh, we'll be looking at, at the story there in Matthew 22. But he told the story one day to the group of people that he was talking to. Uh, he had been uh, receiving a little bit of flack from the Pharisees, and, and he said, I want to tell you a story. He said, this story is about a king. And this king uh, was going to prepare a banquet, a wedding ban banquet, for, because his son was going to be married. And I'm sure you've heard stuff taught before about that culture. When the wedding feast took place, the, the wedding feast took place on the end of, of, of a year-long pre preparation process for marriage. And so when the king said it's time for for this marriage to take for this wedding feast to take place this was at, at the time when the marriage was going to be consummated so it was a big deal and to be invited to a banquet like that was a big deal so this story in Matthew 22 says that this it, it came time for this feast to take take place for this banquet to take place and invitations had already been sent out and so the king sent his servants out into the community to call all the people who had been invited to that banquet. And guess, guess what the result was? It, it was a strange, strange, strange result. All of those who had been invited didn't come. They, now, it, it doesn't necessarily say here that none of them came. It just said those that, that, that had been invited didn't come. When the call went out, now's the time for the ban banquet, they, they didn't come. And so the king sent out some more of his ser servants. He said, maybe they didn't get the me message right. So he sends out another group of servants into the community. And he goes to those people that had been invited and calls them, now it's time for the banquet. Now th this group of ser servants, he said, maybe they didn't understand. I'm the king. I prepared the ban banquet, so we'll send the menu with this group, group of servants. So he says, I've prepared the oxen. I prepared the cows, all the meat's ready, it's grilled, it's going to be great. We're going to have black-eyed peas, green beans, fried okra, cantaloupe, watermelon. I mean, the whole thing, go, corn on the cob, go tell them the feast. The feast of the king for the king's son is ready. 
This is no feast like you'd have if you came to the Hardee's and we grilled out hot dogs, right? I mean, he starts telling them a little bit about the menu. The, re the, the result of that, the response was very, very, very strange. It said some of them said, no, I'm not coming. I got to go to the ranch and check on the calves. I got calves that are fi fixing to hit, hit, hit the ground. I got to go to the farm. We got to plow this afternoon. I've got an important meeting at my office. I've got to go check on my bit my business I can't come also some of them even got mad that the that the uh, servants were bothering them to the point that they beat beat some of them up even to the point that they killed some of them don't bother me I don't have time and the servant said you don't understand this is the king this is his son's wet wedding ban <laughs> wedding banquet even to the point that they killed some of them well word got back to the king and the king was angry and the king sent his soldiers out to kill those who had murdered his servants who had come to invite them to the, ban to the banquet. Well, let's pick, pick, pick up the story in verse 8. Matthew 22, verse 8. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding feast. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered together all they found, both evil and good, and the wedding hall was filled with the dinner guests. So you get the pi picture? It came time for that, that, ban ban that ban banquet. People had been invited. He sends the servants out to call those who had received the invitation. Now's the time. They'd been invited sometime in the past, and now's the time for the banquet, but they have all these, re these reasons why they, they, they can't go, even to the point that some beat up the servants, even to the point that some killed some of his, ser his servants. So after he did, did away with them, he says to his servants, the wedding is ready. I haven't forgotten anything. Everything is, re is ready, but those who are invited were not worthy. So go out into the highways, as many as you can find, and invite them to the feast. And the result was he invited good people, he invited bad, bad, bad people, but his servants went out and did what he said to do, and they were able to fill up the, the, the hall with the wet, wedding guests. Then another strange thing ha happens as we read the story. We're ready we can, to continue to read, read the story. It says, but when the king came in to look over the din dinner guests, oh, one little part of the story that... that we hadn't gotten to yet is that everybody in that culture knew how you dress when you go to a wedding banquet and especially if it's a wedding ban ban banquet of the king's son there was a way that you dress now you look in our room today and you say okay there's a way that you dress when you go to church at Melanie Park it's pretty much any way you want to <laughs> okay there's a couple of folks with tie ties on there's a I, I don't even see a sport coat today, but, but you know, you could go into almost any church here in town and you'd see a few sport coats and ties and so forth. Well, this is the way they dress it at, 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 at Melanie Park. Well, if you had gone to this king's ban banquet and lived during that time, you knew how to dress. There was a proper way to dress to go to the banquet. Well, at least one of the pe people they tell us about, Jesus tells us about one person in, in that group. There could have been more, but we find out about one this guy was walking down the street and he got invited to the thing. He actually had a tea time at the country club that afternoon. 
he had on his uh, his Izod outfit, or he had on his Under Armour out, outfit. Who's uh, Jordan Spieth, right? He he's got he's got Under Armour on from head to toe, right? This afternoon he'll have on his Under Armour gear. Well, that that was this this guy. He was on his way to the country club to play play to play golf. Now he was invited, and he knew what he was invited invited to. But what was his attitude? Oh, sure, I got a couple hours. I'll I'll be glad to go to the king's son's wedding ban ban banquet. But I'm going like this. What was the result? We find out if you read toward the end of the story that because of his heart, what happens? The king walks into the banquet hall and looks over the guests, and before he sits down, he sees this, this, this one. Does he see the out outfit? He sees the outfit, but what does he also see? He sees a heart, didn't he? he, he because th this story is a, sto sto is a story about whom? Who's this story about? Who's the king? God, right? This is a story about God. And who was the son who was going to be having the wedding banquet? His son, G G Jesus, right? So if we go back and look at this story again and look at it from that standpoint, we find out that this king had a tremendously forgiving heart. He also had a heart to invite people in. Now, the first list of people were people that he had them send the invitations to but these people refuse refuse to come so then what does he say I want the banquet hall filled for the sake of my son but what's going to ha happen if I send my servants out into the streets to, to, to nobody's to anybody and invite them and they come in what's going to happen to them they're going to get to have a banquet with the king they're going to get to be here they're going to get to enjoy everything that I had prepared for those who refuse to come. So we get to the end of the, par the, end, the, end of the parable. If you were to look, look over there, what, what, what does it say? What does, the end, what does verse 14 say? For many were called, but few are cho chosen, right? Okay, so what was the desire of the king whenever he sent out the invitation? That, that those people be called to the ban banquet. And the assumption was those people would come to the ban banquet, but they didn't. Or at least most of those didn't come, so they had to go out and find another group to come in, and they came, came to the ban banquet. Well, let, let, let me ask you a qu question. How many generations have gotten to read this story since it was written? If a gen generation, let's say, is it okay if I say that a generation is for 40 years? Is, is that okay? Can, can we use my, num my, my number? If a gen generation is 40 years, how many generations have gotten to read this story and hear this story in the last 2,000 years? 50? 50 times 40 is 2,000? Is, is that fair enough? Okay, at least 50 generations have read this story. And what is this story about? This story is about the heart of a king who wanted to call pe people to the ban banquet of his son. Now, is there going to be a... Let's move for forward a little bit. Is there going to be a ban banquet one of these days? Is there any place in the scripture that talks about a ban banquet where God's son is going to be the, the bridegroom? 
Yeah, if you go to Rev Revelation chapter 19, there are three, ver three verses that talk about that. That there, th this actually is going to take, 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 is going to take place. But there have been at least 50 generations that have been exposed to this story. That have been exposed to what the true truth of this story is. So if there have been 50 generations that have heard it, that had the opportunity to hear this story, to how many gen generations did this story apply? All of them? Would you agree, agree with that? Okay. To how many has God called that have read this story? Yes, yes. From how many has he chosen people? From all 50 generations, right, up to this point? And the next gen generation will read this, this, this story. From that gen generation, people will be called as they read this story. From that, the next gen generation, there will be those that are cho chosen. See, what we find out, out from this story right, right here is, first of all, the king does the calling. And then we find, find out that there is a response. Now, if we read the Gospels, we find out that that response is the same thing as believing, be right? So the king makes the call. There is a response. Those who come, and, 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 and then they become his cho chosen ones. So as he says here, there are many that are called, but are few, few are chosen. Because after 50 generations, how many have been called? A ton have, have been called. But how many have come, come to the ban banquet? Not, not many. Not in relation to all those that have been called, according to this story right here. So how many gen generations have heard, heard the story? All, all of them. It has applied to everybody who's heard the story. To how many has he called? All. From how many has he cho chosen people? He's chosen people out of all those who, who, who were called. There's two different calls we want to look at in our last few minutes. One is the call to the kingdom, and the other one is the call to service. I'm just going to go through these ver verses. We only have a few, few minutes, but 2 Th Thessalonians 2, verses 13 and 14 says, we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you. He said he's chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. It was for this he called you through our gospel that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's God who issues the call. We respond to the call then we become his cho chosen pe people. But it will, and it's for his glory that we are called. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He did the calling. We do the hearing. He does the choosing. Hebrews 9.15, for this reason... He's the mediator of a new covenant so that since a death that has taken place for the redemption of the transgressions that were committed under the first covenant, those who have been called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. God calls us to what? 
and eternity with, with, with himself. Now let's talk, talk about the call to, serve, to service just a little bit. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are what? Called. To those who are called. But not just called, they're called according to a purpose, and your tra translation may say according to his, pur his purpose. There's a reason for us being called there's a re reason for us being cho chosen, and it has to do with his pur purposes. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, just to take that thought further, says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him. There's what our ser service is. That's why he called us into his kingdom and then called us into his service so that we may proclaim his excellencies. The excellencies of the one who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people. You were once out there all by yourself. But now you are the people of God. You once had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy mercy. Second Peter chapter 1. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. How do we obtain that power? By being called by him, by being cho chosen as one of his, then he gives us that gives us that power to live life and to live a godly life through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory. Therefore, brethren, verse 10, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you for as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. First, we're called, and then as we respond, we become his, cho cho his chosen ones. Then we live according to his power and his plan. Um, what di difference do does it make where you live if you practice the things that First Peter ta talks about? What di difference do does it make where you are living if you are entering into the eternal king, king, kingdom. Do, does it matter? Is the most important thing where you live or is the most important thing that you've been called? Is the most important thing where you live or the most important thing that you're cho chosen? Is the most important thing where you live or is the most important things that you practice those things that bring glory to God and, and thereby enter into his king, kingdom? Which is the mo most important thing? The least important thing is where, where you live, right? The least important thing is where you find yourself. The mo most important thing is who, who who's you are and what you do in rela relation to his, his will. I want to issue you a short cha challenge. Um, but before I do, do, do that, we're going to show you three really short clips out of a vi video. 
this is a commissioning service of, um, of New Tribes mi Mission where they were co commissioning a uh, version of the New Testament for the Shiawi di di dialect. And so we're just going to put the video on, and then he's gonna, you're going to see him advance it, and then it's gonna, we're going to do this three, three, three times. It's not going to be real fancy, but I just want you to hear what this man ha has to say. Okay. Go. You know, the airstrip was built, the houses were built, and um, all through this time we just really saw uh, the depravity uh, that these people were living in. And uh, the Lord was good to us and uh, helping us to learn the language and the culture. And uh, Carrie and I went on our first home assignment in uh, 1988. And uh, we were 50% fluent in the language at that time. Uh, we had three kids in tow, a six-year-old, uh, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old. And uh, we were just met with a terrible tragedy. And um, we were hit head-on by a drunk driver uh, that resulted in the, <clears throat> in the loss of our oldest son. Uh, my wife broke her back in many places, and uh, my three-year-old was paralyzed from the waist down and uh, remains that way today. And uh, boy, I tell you, it was something that we didn't expect. And uh, it really, really spun us, you know, there. And, and uh, we just began to contemplate uh, what should we do now? And uh, there were those who said to us that uh, maybe we should not go back. And um, we know those people loved us who said it, but uh, <clears throat> when God has called you to do something, uh, you know, short of us losing our, our voice or losing our, our mind. Um, it's just something that we could never stop doing. And so we came back in 1990. We had our son in the wheelchair, again, my, my wife with her frailties. And uh, the Lord allowed us to finish learning the language and the culture. And in 1993, <clears throat> a church was born here uh, with many believers and so while we rejoice with Linda in being one of the, of the 2,000 uh, that have at least a New Testament, man, my heart goes out for the 2,000 that do not have one single word, not one stitch of one Bible binding. And uh, we, need, we need young people, man, who are, <clears throat> who are ready to lay it on the line uh, for a long period of time so that people like the Siawis can have the Word of God in their tongue. So... Man, that's a challenge uh, that the Lord leaves in my heart, <clears throat> and I hope in the heart of the people who hear this as well. So thanks for the opportunity to share it. I wanted you to see that this morning. Uh, Ron, would you go down, down the hall and tell, tell, tell them we're going to be five, five or six more minutes? Yeah, th thank you. I, I never can do this in time. Um, we wanted you to see that this 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 morning, uh, because there are two states statements. That man's name was Ron Lin, Lindsay. There are two state statements that that he made that I wanted us to consider. Um, you know, we we say here here in this church that that we uh, hope that God will raise up more pe people from from our church to go out into cross cultural ministry or full time ministry somewhere. And you know we have people that have gone from this church to other countries, but we have people that are also involved in ministry here in the states. There are two state statements that 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 he made that I wanted 
us to uh, consist con to to consider. Um, one is um, in that very first, or the, the part where he was talking about his fa family and, and the, the tragedy that they had. Uh, he said, when God has called you to do something, and then talk about, about themselves, when God's called you to do something, short of us losing our voices or losing our minds, it's something that we can never stop doing. I would hope that that, that, that would be uh, the that that would be a st statement that's true of all of us, that we would listen and answer to God's call for us because he not only called us to his kingdom, but he's called us to his ser service also. And uh, that we would be wi willing to set our wants and our desires aside in, in order to um, seek his desire for the world. And that we would be willing to trust the Lord uh, as we follow him down the path that he wants to lead us to the point that he would say well done good and faithful servants when we finally get to see him face to face on a missions in emphasis day you would expect that somebody would get up here and pound the pulpit a little bit and talk about you know somebody here needs to go well we've all been called we if you're a child child of god you've already been cho chosen and, and so that is our future our future for all of us that is to go is to go where he wants us to go doing what he wants us to do and for some in here it might be to uh, do like the Lent and Lindsay's had done the other statement that he made uh, there toward the end that I wanted to highlight also uh, the call that that he made he said three three things and um, this is to the young, younger people people in, in the room he said we need young people that that's the first thing he said we need young people number two who are ready to lay it on the line now what did he mean mean by that you heard his family story they went back on furlough had a horrible wreck one of their children was killed the other one was par par paralyzed uh, they were on that field for 28 years and he's now president of one of the parts of New, New, New Tribes Mission back, back here in the States. But he said, we need young people who are ready to lay it on the line. And he said, next thing, for a long per period of time. And I would chow, chow, challenge you young people to think, think about that so that people like the see always of that people group can have the word of God in their own tongue. I'd like to take the last three minutes, though, and say, but that doesn't leave the rest of us off the hook. Uh, let, let me uh, just chal challenge you this, this way. If you're in junior high or, or, or high school, um, you might say, well, I'm young. I, I can't be a missionary, but, but, but you can. And let me tell you where. You can go to your school and be an exa example uh, and a witness to your classmates, and many of you are. You can fall in love with God's word. Listen to me, young, young folks. When we talk about God's word, we're talking about the word of God. This is God speaking his word and then giving it to men to write down. If you want to know what God ha has to say, it's, it's in that book. And he's, and he's speaking to you. You can go to your computer or your iPad and become an email buddy with a missionary kid somewhere else in, in the world to encourage them. 
you can save your money and go on a trip like the Mexico City trip that the youth are going to be taking next month. And it might just be that from these experiences, if you have enough of them, it might be that God might call you to a lifetime of commitment. Anybody here in college, you say, well, I'm, I'm in, co in, in college and I'm poor, so surely I, I can't go. Well, you probably need to go even more than the high school kids, kids do because, you know, you can take two weeks or a month or a couple of months and go on an exposure trip some, some, somewhere. You might even take off a semester from school. You say, Mark, that's ridiculous. No, here, here's something that's ridiculous. H how about going out to the International Cultural Center at Tech and enroll, enroll, enrolling in one of Tech's sister schools somewhere in another part of the world for a semester or for a year and going there and helping missionaries there share the gospel on the campus that, that, that you're on? Because guess what everybody else in the world want, wants to do? They want to speak English. And if you show up on their campus able to speak English, you make in instant friends. And if you have the me message of truth, God can use you. How about this being ridiculous? Get your degree and put it in the drawer for a year or two and go somewhere and serve God and serve, the, serve mi mi missionaries in the wor work of the mi ministry before you start your, your, your career. And you say, Mark, that's crazy. It, it's absolutely cra cra crazy. But if you do something like that, God might speak your heart in a way you have no idea. Say, but Mark, I'm already 35 or 40 years old. I, I've, my, my, fam, my fam, family's growing. I got my career. I, I can't go. Well, no, you know what? You really need to go. The reason you really need to go is before you get stuck. Do, but but what, what would, would you do? Well, when missionaries come to town, why don't you be the first one to speak up and have them in, in, in your home? When you take a family vacation, why don't you consider taking a family vacation to go see a missionary somewhere where, where they are and encourage them? Why don't you go with an adult group on a, a, an exposure trip? And some of you have, and some of you doing that this summer. I'd encourage more of you to do that. If you can afford to go on a ski trip, you can afford to go do one of these trips. I love snow, snow skiing too, okay? So I, I'm not pre preaching at you. I'm just saying snow skiing is fun, but this other stuff is too. Um, why don't you save up your money and maybe go to Kazakhstan or Mexico or Turkey or Uruguay or Colorado somewhere and, vi and visit one of our missionaries. Li listen to God. Through a book, a conference, a sermon, a friend, you might find yourself making a career change. You say, I like what I'm doing, Mark. Yeah, but you might find some, something else you love, love, love more if you listen to him. But you say, Mark, but I'm 55 or six, 60 years old. Uh, I've got my routine. I'm pretty comfortable. I finally got all the kids out of the house. <laughs> you know what? You need to go before it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> but but, but, where, but where, where do I go, Mark? What, what do I do? Well, instead of going to, to New Mexico to watch the leaves turn or going on another cruise... Why don't you go over to New Life Ranch and spend, spend a week working as a volunteer? Or why don't you get a hold of Greg Miller and, vo and volunteer to go as a hel helper on one of his trips to go serve the do do doctors or the missionaries or the pa pastors there? 
Why don't you go visit a missionary in another city or culture? Ask them, what can I do, do, can I do to help? But be careful. You know what God might say? He's sneaky like this. He might say, you're 55 or 60 years old. You know a lot. Why don't you use what you know and go there? There's plenty of y'all in the U.S. doing what you're doing, being comfortable. Why don't you go there and use what you've gained for all those, those years? Would you tell your Savior, nah, Lord, thanks, but I don't think I will. But, but, but you might say, but Lord, but Mark, I'm 70 or 75, or maybe I'm even 85 year, years old. Surely I don't need to go. Let all the young ones go. Surely God doesn't expect me to go. You, you know what? what? Why do you think you're still here? For you? Sure, you can encourage the young pe people who, who, who go. You can be an example. You can use your time and your re resources. There are ministries right here at home. There are things right here at home that you, 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 you can be involved in. Just don't go sit. Just don't go sit. Invite international students to come to your home for holidays. Uh, you be the one that gets the group together and, and has the, the dessert fellowship when our missionaries come to town. Um, and, and if you can, go see, see them. Take them gifts. Go see them where they are and treat them like they were your own kids or your own grand, grandkids. And pray for those who go and let them know that, that you're praying. Well, we as a church, we might say, yeah, but Mark, how are we going to support a bunch of new missionaries? If we had new, 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 new missionaries rise up and go out, our church isn't very, very big. Uh, we'd need more pe people to come here in order to be able to support more people. Well, my answer to that is, I, I don't know. I, but, but why would we worry about something like that? You know, it reminds me of a story of C.I. Schofield that started Central American Mission. He and the four men who helped start that mission with him were in his office one day. At one time early in their, uh, the, the history of the, of the mission, they paid 100% of the support for all the missionaries that they, they, that they sent out. And one day, funds were getting really, really low. He called them into his office. They had a prayer meeting and said, Lord, could you sell some of the cows that you have on a thousand hills? Psalm 51, by the way, in case you're wondering where, where, where that is. And, and, and there was a knock, knock on the door. His, his secretary comes in and says, uh, Dr. Schofield, there's a man here to see you. Well, it was a ran rancher from out, outside of Fort, Fort, Fort Worth, out west of Fort Worth. And he said, gentlemen, I hate to disturb you, but I think God sent me here. I was out on the ranch the other day, and God said, go sell some of those cows. So I took them to the auction in Fort Worth yesterday, and God said, now take the check to C.I. Schofield over at Central American Mission in Dallas. He said, I found you. Here I am. Could you use this? So they got on their knees and said, Lord, thank you for selling some, some more of your cows. Maybe that's what we, we would do. How about let's begin praying that God would raise up some of these young folks or some of these middle-aged folks to go away from here and take what you've learned and what, what you know to share with the world that desperately needs to hear the call of God. And if those pe 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 people say, yes, I'll go, then we'll get our, on our knees and say, Lord, would you sell some of the cows, of your cows, so we can send these pe people out. Last, la last thing is this quote from Arthur Gla Glasser. He was under the China Inland mi Mission. He said, those whom God purchased on the cross, he calls. How many of you in this room does that include? 
Everybody who he purchased on the cross has been called. Those he calls, he sends into his service at home or overseas. If one covets earnestly the best gifts, he's soon caught up in the mighty ongoing purpose of God. In my case, he's speaking of himself. The constant renewal of God's first word to my heart, forsake all and follow me, has enabled me to discover his will for my life and obey it. Let, let's pray. Father, we thank you that you did call us. Father, that you were gracious enough and merciful enough to allow us to become your children by faith, by believing that what Jesus has done is for us. Father, thank you for choosing us to be your children and calling us to be your servants. And Father, we know that you have a huge desire that men come to the knowledge of the truth, that none would perish. We ask you, Father, to raise up more from this church body to serve you in the places where people need to hear the truth of the gospel. Lord, we love you and thank you for allowing us to be a part of this church family, for calling us into your kingdom. In your son's name we pray. Amen.